Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, June 6th. No French Open play to recap because the French Open was rained out on Wednesday. All of that play being pushed to Thursday, so we'll obviously have an exciting mini break for you tomorrow. But just because there's rain in France does not mean the tennis world falls asleep. I would have loved to do today's episode on the Challenger in Little Rock. There's been just incredible conditions. They're so hot, so humid, kind of reminiscent of Orlando and the NCAA tournament, and that is a perfect, 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 perfect seg- segue because one of my favorite sneaky events of the early summer in the tennis season, the ITA kickoff draft, uh, obviously the ITA indoor event. I was fortunate enough to be there this year in Chicago. 16 teams come together at the beginning of the season. We really get to hash out who the contenders are, what teams we should be watching the most moving forward as we prepare for the NCAA tournament and this draft weekend kind of sets off the uh really the entire event obviously the kickoff weekend a huge part of the ita season in early january really the first weekend of big college tennis that of course the winner of those 15 regions uh, advanced to that host site which this year on the men's side madison wisconsin on the women's side I believe they're being hosted, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is where I'll bring him in, because if we're talking college tennis, you know I have to bring this guest on. Unfortunately, he was not there uh, with me because he was in Orlando for the NCAA Individual Tournament. He is my mother's favorite podcast guest. You can find all of his stuff at collegetennisranks.com. Chris Halioris, welcome back to the Mini Break Pod. Hey, glad to be here, Alex. And it is is hosted by Illinois, right? I, they're in Chicago, right? This year, they're at the Midtown. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the same place, and yeah, and host, hosted by Illinois. So yeah, they get the free pass. That's awesome. Hey, hopefully we'll be able to hit Madison and then Chicago on the way back. I'm down to double up if you are, Chris. Oh, holy cow, Madison! <laughs> I have fond memories of Madison, so I wouldn't mind making a trip back there. I played way too many club tennis tournaments in Madison during college, and let me tell you, that is my favorite site in all of tennis, and maybe it's because of my personal experiences there. I'm not saying it's the nicest, and this isn't trying to disrespect them. There are just some crazy nice tennis places out there, Um, but... Oh, I just love it. 12 courts, uh, three banks of four, nice sky viewing. It's going to be a very fun event. Definitely will try and get out there. Uh, But even before we were jumping way ahead of ourselves, because as I mentioned, the reason I want to bring you on one of the coolest events of the year, this ITA kickoff weekend draft. Uh, Chris, for our listeners who don't know what that is, because I feel like I definitely butchered that explanation. Uh, Can you go into a little more depth and kind of explain what we're going to see? Obviously, we saw it today with the women's and we'll recap that at the end, uh, but tomorrow with the men's as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, and I, you and I both love, we love to see this because it's, A, it's it's at the end of the season. So we, we get to get to hang on to what little, little bit of college tennis we can from the, from the year before we have to take a, a good summer off. But the, but the ITA kickoff draft, uh, obviously, as you said, is what prefaces the ITA kickoff, which occurs at the, uh, the end of January, uh, which is 15 sites hosting a regional much like the ncaa tournament is of of 14 pods and the 15 winners plus the host this year being wisconsin uh come together at at the national indoors and those are the 16 teams that make up the indoor are the 15 winners plus wisconsin and so how you get into that is through this draft and what happens is the top 15 ranked teams from this year um are, are the hosts, uh, should they choose to be in, and I think they all did, and then starting with the next spot down, so Columbia being the first team out, uh, in order, it is a it is a draft. They get to pick which site do I want to go to. So they get, they've got to use factors like, is it indoor or outdoor, because you're usually a mixture of about half and half, maybe a little more indoor, you know, depending on where, since it's January, obviously the north teams are, are all going to be indoors. Um, so you got the indoor-outdoor thing, then you've kind of got the, the traveling issue. Uh, and then obviously the biggest thing is, so who's losing, who's losing which guys and who's got what coming in. So, so they're all kind of making their guess at what those teams are going to look like next year to try to pick the site that's most advantageous uh, to them for whatever, whatever their need be, whether they want a good play, whether they want to win and get the indoors uh, or, or whatnot. So, so it's just a straight draft. You just go down the list from number 16 down until the remaining four, uh, well, it's 15 sites with three, so 45 spots are filled, um, and, and and then that's the end. And usually by the time we get down towards the bottom, 
when you're trying to fill those last three or four spots, we start getting teams that pass. So some teams are, are realize, hey, I'm going to be the four seed. I'm playing Florida. I don't really want to go get beat up by Florida. And then if there's a couple other decent teams there already, figure you're going to go zero and two. You're going to waste a date, and you're going to lose, you know, lose two matches. No thanks. So so you will see a couple passes generally as well. But that's kind of the how the things work. Excellent explanation, as always. That's why you're my mother's favorite guest. There are a lot of different things I want to explore off of your answer, but just to start and stress this, the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast tonight, I think I can speak for both of us when we say, this is a really f***ing cool event. Like, I cannot stress this enough how rare it is that in tennis you, you have this draft experience where the teams are picking where they play, and I guess the first tangent we can go on, because we're going to go on a couple here, Chris, um... Would you like to see this draft? I mean, first of all, can you explain? I don't know if there are pros and cons to this draft format, if you see any, but why don't we do the same thing for the NCAAs as well? Oh, man. Well, yeah, I mean, geez. For the for the kickoff draft, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually a lot from a fan's perspective and just getting to watch it. Yeah, it's a lot more exciting than, than the NCAAs, if you will, because, the, I mean, the team, you're getting to see who's picking where they want to go based on the teams they think they match up well with, whether it's indoor outdoor, it's et cetera. But man, it, how could you, how could you possibly do that? Uh, I'm not sure for an NCAA tournament that you could, you could do it because it's not just the next best teams, right? You've got automatic bids uh, that go to a lot of lower level teams and you should you, should they be thrown in there, but just be the last ones to pick. I mean, you probably, yeah, you probably still end up with a with a board that looks fairly fairly similar, but you you would definitely find out the teams of those hosts that have the least amount of respect from all the other teams, as opposed to automatically getting seated and having us all conjecture who we think. And wouldn't got the you weakest love region, that? Right? Oh yeah. It would How be great, great because, would that be? Yeah. Well, then we don't then we don't have to throw in our conjecture about oh that looks like the best region to go to, uh, but you know. Well, frankly, you can say there, from a fan's perspective, yeah, that would be really cool. From the NCAA and just real quick, to, but on the fan perspective, to add another layer, we got to see Andy Katz this year. Let's go all the way. I want to broadcast these coaches when they make their selection. I want to see their faces as they're thinking. You know, we have a, as a team have decided we're going to go to say Texas this year because we like how many freshmen they have, and it's just like ooh, you know, oh, that'd just be fascinating. Yeah. So yeah, this is, this is an area that, that you and I need to, we need to dig deeper in because I've had this talk <laughs> with the, with the person that helps the, uh, the ITA run this event before. And I, and I've kind of told him, I said, you know, we, they've gotten, it used to be just straight phone call and you would see the stuff show up online as they, as the ITA made the phone calls, the coach gave them their pick and then boom, it would get filled in and that's all you'd get. Now they've kind of got a live draft site running and it's a little and it's a little more interactive and they're adding some social media to it but there's absolutely no reason and i told him the same thing i said we should have a desk and it should be broadcast on tv and we should be calling the coaches ahead of time and you know and being able to talk to them like what are you thinking what's your reasoning and where you go and you know and do it all on on video uh, as it's going on i think there's there's no reason we couldn't turn it into an event like that and that would be I think that would be a, a really cool event for all the people to get to see and hear from the coaches. Why did you pick us? You know, was it for travel? Was it for lineups? Was it, you know, indoor, outdoor? What, what was the what was the thinking, you know? Especially because the draft element is such a rare thing in tennis, and that's why, you know, Davis, or not, not Davis Cup, well, I suppose Davis Cup, Fed Cup as well, but Laver Cup, when they're choosing those rosters, it's so fascinating to see which players get the selections. Are you going to have the Jack Sock pick? Because if you have him in a doubles pairing, you know if you're Team World, that's a, you know, a benefit to you. It's just a fascinating element, and I wish they would do more to promote yeah, it. And I know, you know, these selection shows are cool, but it, it could be such a nice, you know, big, a fun, a rare, it's like a draw ceremony yeah. almost. It is. And, you know, last year during the draft, I remember, I'm not going to name, I won't, I won't name, name <laughs> this person, uh, but, uh, but I, I was, I was texting a lot with, with one of the coaches involved uh, during the draft. And as it was getting closer to their pick, you know, I was, we were kind of going over. I'm like, you're not going to do this, are you? 
and and it was kind of the it was kind of the debate you know of well do we go somewhere where we're pretty sure we're going to get hammered in our first match but then we can win the next one or do you pick somewhere that's maybe a, a little less a little more balanced but there's a good shot that you lose both matches right and and a lot that's what a lot of the coaches are looking at they're going well we want to come out of there you know some of them want to win to get to indoors some of them know they're not going to win so then the question is well can we get one quality win that's going to help us for NCAA tournament you know entry towards the end of the year and then if we lose to a really good team no harm but if we go to a mid-level site with a bunch you know where we lose to lose to two different teams that are so so boy we could really get you know that could hurt so there's all of that going on and it, it would be so great to hear from the coaches you know for everybody to hear that while it was going on i think that's that the fans would really would really like that i completely agree with you and in, in terms of the draft order i suppose you could still game that out because that'd be very important but if they switch to a draft i feel like you would be the biggest losers because then you wouldn't be able to project the regions based on distance and record and points and all these things i feel like you know i love that aspect of your site i'd be devastated yeah, well you know i guess you still kind of have you you still have to have the uh the who's who it is and in what order so the rankings uh you know yeah you the projections maybe well honestly the projections when it comes to ncaa time it would still be the same because all that's telling you is who's in the field and in what order and if it was a draft it's it's you're still shooting for for the same thing you want to get in and then you want to be as high as possible to to get to the draft spot Oh, even better. Gets the media endorsement. I'm all for it. Well, then we should get into the, t- the teams, but the last draft aspect, I want to talk about this. It's obviously notable that they're doing this now in June and not later in the season after the fall individuals, maybe in January, uh, when we get to see not only which recruits actually end up going to school, but which players actually end up coming back. What are your thoughts on them doing the draft in June as opposed to, say, November, December? Oh, I, I like it just because of the extra that the added uncertainty, right? Like you said, sure. the the commits are generally other than other than late commits, the ones that folks have committed. Most of those teams know who people have, but but what you really don't know, which is which is really important to a lot of them, are the are the who's coming back. You know, ever like last year, it was all the talk. So you know, is Goyo coming back? Is JJ Wolf coming back? Is, you know, Patros, Blumberg. Exactly. All those discussions about who's going to be in the field uh, or who's coming back. And, and you you just don't know. And then, and then, you know, at the same time, you kind of have the, the, the recruits, you don't know who's coming. Most of the people know who's coming in the fall, but in this, with, in this day and age in college tennis, a lot of the big schools look, you know, they, they look to land, one or one or two big January commits and you definitely don't have the January commits usually by this point in time so nobody knows you know Bresky's going to go out and find somebody to come in January every year so you just gotta you know you basically count on all right Wake's gonna bring somebody in that's good and they're coming in January I just don't know who they are so you kind of you you gotta you gotta take that into account when you're making your selection. Absolutely, and to kind of list through a lot of the guys we'll be thinking about, are they staying or are they going? You mentioned Borna Gojo. That's a guy we'll obviously be monitoring, but there are so many. Paul Jubb, NCAA champion, Will Blumberg, Brandon Holt, Sam Riffis, Oliver Crawford. I mean, the lists go on. Brandon Nakashima, who's advancing so far into the uh, Junior French Open. Obviously, J.J. Wolf, another guy people will be watching. Axel Geller. Uh, just so many talented players in college tennis that if they have successful summers you never know what that's going to look like you know will they come back would they be sacrificing too many points and opportunities if they come back so yeah it makes you know watching what these teams do that much more important and we should mention that sort of topic who's coming back who are they adding will loom large over our conversation today and uh, you know with that I kind of want to start and get into uh, even specifically, as we mentioned, the men's draft being tomorrow. Uh, we're not going to go through every region. I won't make you predict every team who you think is going to go where, who you're going to, who's going to pass. Although I'm sure you, I'm sure you could. And this isn't me trying to insult you; just making that clear. Uh, but you know, it is supposed to be a mini break. But how about this? What is the region? Uh, all right, let me just let you get this rant off your chest. What is the region you will think be most targeted by the teams picking in that first round of picks? 
Oh, I mean, clearly it's Mississippi State. I mean, <laughs> the, they, they should fill up instantly. So real quick, uh, do they get three of the top, uh, three of the first 10 picks? I was having this debate earlier. I say yes. Yes, three. Uh, so let's say I, I'm going to play this out. Columbia goes there for sure, right? No, no, no way. You don't think Columbia goes they, down? I think they pass. You know, Columbia historically they're they're not big in tra- they're not big into travel. They don't like to travel, and they don't want to play outdoors. Ooh, so, uh, and Mississippi State, it's and that's both of those. So I kind of even though there's not a great choice for them, I kind of feel like Columbia would look to go somewhere like Virginia, Carolina, or Wake, you know, somewhere that's still somewhat close. No, none of those are great options, but I, I kind of think they go there. I don't think they go to, to Mississippi State. So I could see them going to Illinois, I suppose, distance-wise, and that could be an indoor match as well, so I see what you're saying. But I don't – this team, I think they may have lost their first-round match this year to Wake Forest, but they got a couple of wins at the indoors this year. Uh, they lose Victor Pham. They lose Tim Wang. But they have a very talented team coming back. I don't think they pass. I don't know why they would given, you know, you have a first-year new head coach uh, now that their coach has retired after this season. I feel like it's a great way to test your team early on. I could very easily see them heading down to Starkville or, again, even Champaign. Although Champaign, Illinois, we'll talk about them a little bit when I talk about dark horses, but I like the team they're bringing back. I, I just, there's no way Columbia passes. Too too much talent on oh, that no, roster. They're not gonna, yeah, they don't pass. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't think they, I don't think they choose Starkville. Oh, pass, I see, of, I see, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think they'll pass on Starkville and, and, and choose something. I, I mean, I, I think they probably pick closer to home, but um, yeah, I don't think, uh, yeah, a lot of talent, but I don't, but, but they are losing a couple guys. I don't, I don't think the, I don't think it'd be a bad, bad spot for the guys at state to see them, them coming. But uh, they're going to have to worry more about beating whoever the four seed is there than they are about who the two three matchup is. See, I feel like if it's South Carolina gets, if it gets to South Carolina and it's just Mississippi State and Columbia at that point, do you think South Carolina goes down there to get the early SEC play? I don't think I, I don't think it's about the SEC play. I actually think. Uh, well, just Columbia, you know, the, the two, I'm, those are also both winning schools. I'm just saying, reg- I guess regardless of the fact that they'll see them later. Yeah, I think I, I think the SEC schools will, will, to some extent, would like to avoid each other early. And I, I think to, that's the case maybe with a lot of the conferences. They already know they're going to see them in the conference. They're going to see them in conference tournament. Uh, but given how weak uh, they would appear to be coming up for the coming year, yeah, you want to go there, but it's really that. It, but your your point is valid. It's not really about Mississippi State anymore. It's about who else is already there because those are the teams that you, you're likely watching out for. Yeah, but I I think South Carolina goes there for sure when it comes to them. Uh, I I think that they'll like what's what's already you know what what has or hasn't picked that that site already. I don't think Columbia goes there. I don't think Michigan wants to go there. So don't you slander my uh, Wolverines. We'll go anywhere. Yeah, I, 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 I could see South Carolina heading there very easily. But yeah, I think I think that ten mark is about right. Three teams, uh, three teams in ten. Once, once it's interesting. Once two and three go, four ought to go really quick because four is the team that gets to play Mississippi State first round. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, four could be. Let's say it's you know Columbia, South Carolina. I could see Georgia throwing themselves in that ring like that. I feel like that would be a great yeah. opportunity for them. You play familiar foe in uh, Mississippi State for a young-ish team that is bringing in a ton of talent. It's just a great early opportunity. Plus, you never know. Maybe Paul Jubb has an outstanding summer and he doesn't come back. Yeah. You know. You never know. Yeah, that that's half the fun of this. Well, then, outside of Mississippi State, give me one other team you think is susceptible to an upset and will be an early target in the draft. I I like most of the, I mean most of the seeds. I still like the one team, unfortunately for for my SEC bias, uh, that I think may also get some good looks is going to be Tennessee. So hmm. Tennessee is right. They're losing. Two seniors in their number one player, Timo Stoddard, and Preston Tuliados, who played, you know, a, a mix of, prob- of say, four or five. 
but those two also combined to be the number one doubles team uh, on what is usually a very good Tennessee doubles doubles lineup. So when you're losing your top doubles team, you're losing your top singles player, uh, and and there's not a you know a huge recruiting class coming in behind them. I think they're going to get some good looks. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think TCU minus Ry- Rybakov minus Stalder will certainly get looks as well. Uh, they've got three studs coming, though, That's man. That's true. a tough – I mean, it's it's always freshmen. You never know what to expect out of freshmen. But, but yeah, they've got a very good recruiting class coming in. But, like, you're losing Rybakov to, right off the bat, so – that's uh, true. You know. They get three uh, three top recruits coming in, uh, Jacob Fearnley, Thomas Yurosik, and Tadius Parlick. Uh, I should say they're the number four recruiting class right now on TennisRecruiting.net. And by the way, shout out to TennisRecruiting.net. Shout out to Slam Tennis, where I'm getting a lot of my info for uh, this podcast, so thank you to them. I'm going to throw a curveball at you because, as I mentioned, what would this podcast be if I didn't do that? You know what teams, if I'm drafting in that first batch that – I'm not, I mean, all right, that's never going to happen, but I guess maybe the second batch where I'm not completely afraid if I'm going there, I'm just going to say it, any of the top three seeds, I'm not completely afraid oh. because I think with te- with yeah. Texas, you look at it. Completely yeah, agree. With yeah. Texas, look, they have, I believe, the number one they, recruit. They lose three, four, five, yeah, six. Yeah, and they have the yeah. number one recruiting class, four blue chip players in that group, obviously the defending national champs uh, with Bruce Burke coming in as the coach, uh, as the former assistant, solidifying that. You imagine none of the recruits are going to wander away. But that opening weekend, even if, let's say, uh, Chi-Chi Huang slides back into the lineup and only three three of these recruits are playing that is a ton of freshmen in the opening weekend and you you know you're gonna have a shot at them oh absolutely yeah I'm, I'm with you I'm not I'm not overly afraid of Texas if, if you're one of those those good teams especially if you're one of those good teams that's got a good recruiting class coming in not afraid of Texas not overly afraid of of Wake not overly afraid uh you know I it the the first school that scares me is Florida right uh but I'll take Ohio you know you don't I say not overly afraid of Ohio State only because I would I would be leaning to thinking JJ uh, Wolf's not coming back, right? So so you lose you lose JJ if you lose JJ Wolf. Um, uh, I'm not completely afraid of, of them. I think that they're very they're very beatable. Again, it's indoors, so it's always playing Ohio State indoors is tough. I mean, e- even without Wolf, they're still going to be a very hard yeah. to beat at home indoors. I mean, and it's been who knows how long since that's happened. And they're another team with a great recruiting class, Cannon Kingsley, uh, Robert Cash, J.J. Mercer, who are going to hop into the lineup. You know, maybe Wolf stays. He likely goes just given how uh, how impressive he's been on the ATP Tour when given chances. Um, yeah, Mc, you know, Tubert out, Joyce out. You replace those guys. You still have McNally sliding into one. Selig is going to be as tough of a redshirt senior as any in the country next year. Obviously, you'll need guys like Cobelt and Siebert and Trotter to stay step up uh, but you like you mentioned Ohio State indoors tough that Wake Forest team though no Petros no Gojo it's a brand new era so that's going to be a fun team although as you mentioned uh, from the recruiting perspective Wake Forest never a team uh, you count out they're currently not in the top 25 in terms of a recruiting class but as you mentioned they're a school for late addition I'm gonna uh, just real quick throwing in some of the other teams UVA if Nakashima goes that region becomes a lot more interesting um other than that I yeah I I think all of these teams I I, I guess all right I'll throw a curveball at you UCLA or Wake Forest where would you rather start out next year who am I <laughs> I, I think it, it to me it, it might depend who I am. I mean, UCLA, you're going to be playing outdoors. Wake Forest, you're going to be. So, how about indoors. this? If you're San Diego, who that I feel like that's going to be a very realistic choice for them. If if I'm San Diego, I go to UCLA. Uh, yeah, because you're thinking expenses. See, that's an adult decision. I'm thinking tennis, and I'm thinking I'm going to go challenge the team that got every point from their one, two, and but three I mean, singles this but- year. But what do you, I mean, UCLA is still not a, I mean, actually oh. had all things considered a good year given what happened. I to think them UCLA this is going to be outstanding next year. Yeah. And all, and all they're losing is Cressy. Yeah, exactly. Right? And they, and so they're losing Cressy and they're effectively getting, they're going to get Connor Hans back. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
they're going to get Hans back. And, you know, I, yeah, I think, I think they are going to be a good team, but it's still, I mean, I'm never going to pick. So look, Wake, first of all, we don't know if Goyo's coming back or not. Uh, There's no chance. No way. He could still be. Actually, maybe. I don't want to say that because I haven't talked to enough people yet, and I don't want someone to think that's an expert opinion. But just the way he played pro events throughout this season, he had a foot out the door. Yeah. So so one of the things that we, we could probably touch on briefly that I think makes it a little more viable for these guys to come back now is the the complete reversal uh, of of the ITF uh, transition tour and the ITF slash ATT points, right? Mm-hmm. I would have been with you 100% that anybody had nothing changed, anybody with enough points to get themselves into challenger level events has to go for sure. But now that as of August, they're completely reversing and effectively just going back to just like it was. I mean, yeah, the points are a little different, but it's it's one one system. It's, everybody has ATP points, and now you can get them in 15K and 25K futures. Those guys don't – they're not incented to the, to the point where they have to leave if they have the points. Uh, so, so that might be one thing that could keep him around. I'm with you. I think he leaves, uh, but but he could come back. But, again, he's all, Tony's already got – he's already got two – decent recruits signed and then on top of that i'm expecting you know a january commit like he always like he'll always throw in there so so even with even with even if he loses those two guys he's not going to be bad yeah he's not he's not as stacked up top obviously anymore and and that maybe end up being the weak spot but he's still going to be really deep yeah, I, I don't doubt Wake Forest. They've proven if they've proven anything over these past couple of years. It's how good they have been and how consistent they are as a program. All right, let's do the flip side. Give me the well. I guess we talked about the weakness of the top three, so that kind of speaks to that. But give me the regions, the three regions you most want to avoid. Oh, Florida. No one, no one wants to go to Florida. So <laughs> hey, I don't know Crawford Griffiths. I watched Crawford lose today to Darian King, second round of a challenger. But you never know with those two. Oh, I don't think either <laughs> of those two going anywhere. Uh, uh, I think they're, I think they're both back. But uh, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to. You know, is it? I'll, I'll have to wait until that time. But I think as soon as the, uh, as soon as they announced Wisconsin was the draft site, right? I had. I had tweeted out, well, hey, you guys have 11 months to prepare for Florida now. Good luck. And, uh, and we should and, say Florida, number 13 recruiting class, two blue chips, William Grant, Blaze Bicknell coming in to replace Kessler and Perez. Right, yeah, and Kessler was, you know, a, a halftime, halftime player at, at six this year, so that's not, you know, not going to be a huge singles lineup loss for him. Perez, uh, and Perez was out half the year, uh, and even with that, they're, you know, they they did great. So they're, yeah, they're, they'll have, no, and they were super deep in singles to begin with. They're, they're, they're going to need to get their doubles straightened out, which they struggled with this year, but, but nobody wants to go to Florida. Um, let's see after Florida. I've got some hot takes lined up for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think who I really want to avoid. Um, I don't really want to go, to North Carolina if Blumberg's back. I mean, all they're losing is Bo Boyden. They've got a good Australian kid coming in. Uh, I I don't want to go there. Uh, yeah. An Australian player rank, who is uh, in Rinky Hijikata, who is ranked as high as number nine in the ITF junior rankings. As you mentioned, you slide him in with Seguin, Peck, Serna, Kiger. I mean, yes, but you know, you lose a Bo Boyden who's so rock solid at the NCAA over these past four years that hurts a lineup. But if Blumberg slides back in at one, even without him, that team is just one through six again. So much depth. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm. I'm interested to hear your takes. I'm not sure who I right. who, who beyond that. I'm really looking to avoid. All I'll say is I'm not overly afraid of Baylor. Uh, yeah, they're going to be good. But wow, uh, they, you know, I so disagree not... with you there. So there we go. Oh, you, there it is. You want to jump on the Baylor? Uh, train, I... right? <laughs> well, we both know well, so why that is, and it doesn't need to be said. 
Yeah. So, so, so now I'll just have to repeat for the fans, everything I told you before, (laughs) before we, we came on air, I happened to be sitting at my RV outdoors now, because for whatever reason, I wasn't getting phone reception in an RV park in Waco at this very moment. Cause I'm here to do uh, a race this weekend that we, my wife and I drove forever for. I called Brian Boland out on one of our last pods and told him, Hey, let's do a pod. <laughs> Hook me up with a spot for the RV. I heard nothing. So Brian, I'm glad Benitez never got out of the So, so take that and I wouldn't be afraid to pick you next year. Well, so, see that right there is why he didn't call you back. Uh, you clearly don't like <laughs> yeah. Virginia enough. Um, no, I. The reason why I disagree with you. Okay, all of this is prefaced on Jensen Brooksby actually goes to college, and who knows what the chances of that are now. But you look at the lineup: Boy Ten back in at probably two, Sven Law back in. Uh, you have experience in the lineup in uh, Const, uh in Franzen in the doubles lineup. You get Soto back. Sorry, Soto probably slides in at two. Uh, Law at th- uh, Boy Ten at three. Law at four if you're able to get a player of Jensen Brooksby's caliber. And even if that isn't the case, you know, Segura slides in. He had some success this year at six. Finn Bass, a freshman, we didn't see much of. He hops into the lineup. I just think it's a very dangerous team with Brooksby. Uh, but yeah, I guess I sort of see your argument. Yeah, no, I mean, and and I think that's that's one of the unknowns. Although I do, th- I still think now, again, with the reversal of the whole points deal that there's a much better chance yeah. that Brooksby makes it in uh, and, and comes to school. So if he comes to school, yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely going to be tough. They're really deep and they're really talented, but um, for the same kind of argument that we made with some other schools, the freshman in January, even at that is always, you know, it's, it's a, it's a new game coming into college tennis and, and uh, you just you don't know what's going to happen. Which is why my sleeper pick for the indoors, you will like this one. Number 15 seed, Illinois, who brings back every single player from their lineup during the 2019 season. We saw Alex Kovacevic work his way into the semifinals of the NCAAs. We know how talented he is as a player. Another year for Keenan Mayo, Zeke Clark. I mean, it's just uh, Alex Brown. It's a returning cast of characters. You know Coach Dancer will have them fired up after they suffered an early exit in this year's tournament. I think they are a team to watch coming into the 2019 season. I don't know how high the upside is of their, you know, four through six players, but they're just going to be so difficult to beat in January, February, you know, the early parts of the season. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you there. I think especially indoors, they're very, very good. They'll be, they will be a tough team to beat indoors. I think they... They need to get uh, Keenan Mayo back on. I mean, he stuck. He started out the year so so tough and so good, and then uh, he he just he just didn't have that much much success late. But he's a he's a super talented uh, super talented kid, and I think uh, you know if if and obviously, as you said, they bring everybody back. So if they can maybe add uh, a body in there to help out and. And have some options as to seeing who's hot, but but Monsi Monsi will play all day. That kid that kid will just grind and grind and grind all day long with you. Uh, and 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 Mayo down there, they they probably could use one more choice down for low in the lineup. But like you said, you're gonna you're gonna have Kavasovic and you're gonna have Brown and and you're gonna have Clark at the top at the top three spots there. And and that's a that's a really good top three. So. I agree with you. Well, then let's do one last thing about the men's draw. Kind of talk about the unseeded teams, and there are so many, as you mentioned, who will have a chance to compete. I believe there's 45 slots available for these teams. If you are a host team, name the three teams, and they don't have, I mean, some can be obvious if you want, but I'll have some dark horse picks for you. The three unseeded teams you do not want to end up picking up to pick to be in your region. Oof, man! Well, I'll tell you, I honestly, I I don't want to see Columbia. I saw those. <laughs> you and I both saw those guys at indoors. We saw them love. I yeah, I don't care. I don't care who they lose. It's like it's like they got a team full of the same guys. I mean, it's like they're all they're they're all just battlers and grinders, and they and oh, I mean, they're just they, they were phenomenal. I don't 
it, yeah, you're really you're in for a battle if you if if you play them. So I don't, yeah, I, I don't really want to see them. Um, I, you know, man, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I could really say that I don't want to see your Wolverines. Um, <laughs> I agree. But, they weren't going to be on my list. I mean, I want to see them as much as possible, so that's why they're not on my list. Yeah, but but I don't want to, you know. But after after a good first year, I probably don't want to see Fenty coming in at me. Uh, um, not at all. But or Seymour, who came yeah. in so hot last year. I'd say, I I don't want to. I I don't want to see Georgia. Uh, it's uh, it's at hard. Yeah, it's hard to. Teams. Yeah, it's hard to pick. It's hard to say that just because of what's going on. But honestly, I I think with the turnover that's going to happen this year. Uh, uh, and the guys they've got coming in, it's I, I think the atmosphere and the mood is going to change. And real quick, they're the number three team in uh, number three recruiting class: Tyler Zink, Baptiste and Salamo, Eric Gravelius, and Mateo Reyes, uh, replacing Emil Reinberg and Jan Zelinski up at the top of that lineup, as well as Walker Duncan down at the bottom. Yeah, that's an incredibly talented team for sure. Yeah, so that's I mean I yeah I don't want to see them. Um, yeah, I'm not sure who else you've got. The who South the, Carolina, maybe. Well, uh, that's kind of obvious, though. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I was going to say they're they're not a yeah. So so South Carolina, you definitely don't. I mean, they had they were playing five freshmen for a good part of the year, and then you know it was a matter of whether Yancey Dennis was in or out of the lineups, and and he's and and now Yancey's gone. So yeah, they're back to Jub and the five freshmen. Uh, one, uh, at least two of whom have transferred now, but uh, so uh, oh, but there's, yeah. yeah. So I think I think, uh, I, I think uh, Cacciatore and Brailovsky, uh, mm-hmm. both both of who are both guys that were kind of in and out. They, they both saw some playing time, uh, but not a ton of playing time. Brailovsky was a, he was a stalwart earlier in the year and worked himself out. Cacciatore was just kind of in and out, but. But the the base of that uh, two through six is is all coming back, uh, and so you yeah you really that's that's a team you don't want to see. Yeah. Well, then I have two more for you, real quick. I'm going to throw Duke in there. Duke with the number two recruiting class they get in Michael Heller, Garrett Johns, Andrew Zhang, Omni Kumar, Sam Rubel. They bring back Nick Stokowiak. I think they bring back a couple more from their lineup. I mean, that's just a scary early team given how much young talent they're going to have, plus you sprinkle in the veterans that they bring back. I mean, that's going to be, they're going to be a quality, quality opponent. Yeah, well, they, they will be. And now, now here's, and the Duke is, is kind of the, the case, the, the case in point for this. And I, I don't want to get all the hate mail from all these people that already <laughs> get on me for, for advocating the foreign players. I love having foreign players in college tennis. Okay. I just want the best tennis we can get. I don't care who the players are. And it's not being anti-American. It's it's a matter of it's sheer demographics. Okay, we don't have when you have tennis all over the world, all the best tennis can't be here. It's going to be from everywhere, right? And Duke is one of those teams that every year they have a great recruiting class, and it looks outstanding on paper. They bring in a bunch of blue chips, but I'll tell you what: if all you do, unless unless you're someone like USC or or you know Virginia, Florida, Virginia, yeah. Unless you're a, a couple of those schools, you know those with notwithstanding, bringing in three or four American blue chips every year still isn't going to cut it. I mean, you yeah. have to unless you're getting the top twenty American kids, you have to be bringing in somebody from overseas or from out of you know doesn't have to be overseas, but that's non-American. And and I would I just don't I'm always skeptical with Duke because they keep bringing in all the 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 blue chip Americans and they keep getting what they get. Yeah, that's a look. That's a fair point. I, I wanted to mention them. Another ACC team with a good recruiting class, Georgia Tech, who obviously made some noise this year when they knocked off UNC in an upset during the regular season. But they bring in th- three blue chips as well to add to their lineup. So it'll be fun to see how they do. Uh, but yeah, tomorrow's draft is going to be really exciting. Obviously, we'll know a lot more after that time. And it's been fun to have the Slam ten- Tennis Countdown Clock, which when I look at it now, we're right around 13 hours away. Any final thoughts on the men's draft? No, I I think we've covered it. 
Yeah, look, we had, it's our last college pod of the season. We brought our A game. Um, all right, with that being said, I want to talk about the women's draw as well real uh, real quickly because they had their draft go on today. Um, I know you were on the road for a little bit, but you've gotten the chance to see them. Any, any preliminary thoughts? Big winners and no, losers? I, I just find it interesting, right, how, you know, same kinds of things we talked about with the men where you're seeing – uh, you know, really quickly, Kansas fills up. Right. Uh, and, and that's that's just the kind of things I find inter- interesting is to see how quick so- that people are going to gang up on what they uh, what they think is going to be the place to go. Uh, and that was that was interesting. And then, of course, you have, you know, and then on the flip side, like you'd ask, who who are the who are the schools that nobody wants to go to? And you, and, and nobody wanted to go to Duke and uh Stanford, uh, Georgia. And real quick on that point, I think the the clearest thing I saw from the women's draft is there are seven teams next year who are held in higher regard than just every other team. And I don't think that's going to be the case in the men's season until maybe we see Florida go on a run. But until they prove it, I think the beginning of next season is wide open. But on the women's side, I mean, yes, Stanford, Georgia, UNC, Duke, South Carolina, Pepperdine, UCLA, the highest ranked team in that group is number 35. Georgia Tech, who's going to South Carolina, you know, all those early top teams, you know, first 18 teams stayed away. Yep. Yep. And so it's it's going to be an interesting season. I mean, Washington, they get number 16, USC, 27, Kentucky, 33, Princeton, um, another good region. You mentioned that Kansas won. Uh, I think the rally uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina, NC State, Florida, Oklahoma, Rice, Florida State, A&M, Miami, Florida, UC, Santa Barbara, uh, Oklahoma State, Wake Forest, Ohio State, San Diego. All of these are going to be so fascinating. I mean, ugh. I I need the so break you, because I'm gonna. So I, I didn't follow as closely. Did you? As you were running through that, did you just say that uh, Florida went to NC State? Florida did go to NC State. Oh, so that's 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 a revenge pick right there because <laughs> NC State NC State won at Florida this year. Did that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. I mean. Great pick. I'm always about revenge. I love that UCF thinks they're going to come to number 14 Michigan and do something when Utah and Ole Miss uh, were sacrificial lambs in the 40s who next chose to Michigan. We're going to come out firing next season. Um, (laughs) Your Mississippi State Bulldogs, the sacrificial lamb, going to number four Duke. So that's brutal. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting draw. I'm just – I mean, Stanford – they lost a ton of se- they lost a lot of seniors and just I still think though people seem to not be worried about them. No, they'll yeah they'll they're gonna find players. I mean it's it's Stanford, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. Well, it's a fun draft and it's kind of crazy that they, again that they do it this early because then you get to put uh, college tennis in the back of your mind. But uh, we can end here real quick. You had the chance to go to the individual tournament. You saw it come to a conclusion. You got to check out Orlando as a site. Uh, any final thoughts on that? Would you be happy to see it go back there? Um, you know, I was I, I was I was keep you know, keeping up very much. So on all the tweeting going on, us, us, you know, you kind of had the two camps that I didn't see a whole lot of people in between. It was either the, it should be at Georgia every year or, Hey, this is a great site. You really need to come see it here camp. I didn't see a lot of in between and you know, I, I'm kind of torn. Yes. It was a, uh, it's different. I would like to, if we could get that kind of setting, on a college campus, then yeah, I, I do kind of like the whole college campus idea. I hate the fact though, that if you pick a college campus, that it could be effectively a home match for somebody. Um, that's, you know, I, I at least would love to see a, a somewhat neutral site matchup for everybody and not one team getting it. But, but then, you know, I don't, but, but the site in Orlando was at it, it was fantastic. I will say that even I was not there for the teams. I showed up for individuals. Uh, you know, the, it, it would definitely be nicer to have bigger crowds that, uh, and maybe with the TV coverage, we'll get some more, uh, we'll get some more of that. There were, uh, the, the singles crowds were primarily, you know, fans of the guys that, that, and gals that were playing. Uh, I, I did see some, uh, element of some locals making it out, not as much as I would have liked to see. Uh, but it was still, I think all in all, the site itself and, and the venue and and the things they can do there between the hospitality areas and and what they can do for the players and all and and 
the options you have for for TV coverage, uh, it it was all. I mean, it was a very nice setup. It was it was a, it's a good place. Uh, it'll be nice to be back there in in two years. It'll be nice to see what it you know. Net, we'll get a good comparison on the year in between at uh, at Oklahoma State and Stillwater next year. Yeah, I I agree with you. Those were my. I enjoyed the site. I think all the players I've spoken to seem to enjoy, as you mentioned, the luxuries of Orlando. It is really built to host this sort of event, and hopefully they'll work. You know, they'll kill the love bugs. They'll figure out what to do with them. Obviously, the heat overbearing. You're not gonna be able to do anything with that. But overall, I'd say I'd say B plus, A minus for Orlando round one, somewhere in between there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, first year you can always, you know, you're always going to look for things to improve, and hopefully that's what they do. Absolutely. Well, then, as it's a mini break, we are going to do one last thing. I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast the rain out at the French Open means half the men's quarterfinal postponed to today, Thursday, half the women's quarterfinal postponed as well. Chris, I'm just going to give you the four matches, and I'm going to need picks from you. Uh, we'll start with the men. Team Kachanov, who you got? Oh, Team team absolutely really just no yeah no, no description needed no no hesitation there i mean i uh, yeah clay court i i don't know how i get it can't get away i picking all these matches to me is boring just because i want to <laughs> pick an upset and there's uh, one in particular i'd love to see but i just can't do it i gotta you know i gotta go with the guys that that, that i i think are gonna be there and teams just i mean He's he's going to be very tough to beat. Very Mets the Koyak S going with the four seed, and I imagine you'll go with the one seed as well. Yeah, I mean, Kachanov's going to make the match as physical as possible, and for Dominic Team, you hate that because if you win, you probably get Novak Djokovic or even Alex Virov next, and that's going to be no bargain. And then if you win that, you get Federer. It's just this top side of the draw, brutal stretch for them, especially the way this rain planed out, that they're not going to get a day off, and then they get one day off in between before the final. It's tough. I mean, I'd pick Dominic Team to win this tournament, so I'm going to stick with him at this point, although I, I'm fine either way. Um, all right, Djokovic, Zverev, give me your pick. Oh, Djokovic. Come on, Zverev's <laughs> not breaking through now. <laughs> oh, you know I like to pick the underdog. I love Alex Zverev. We've got the same first name. We've got the same good looks. We've got the same stellar backhands down the line. And, and in about a week from now, you're going to have the same number of Grand Slams. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's certainly got more hair than me, but yes, I agree with you. I'll probably go with Novak Djokovic. I just, the guy is a freak. Um, all right, let's flip to the women's side then. Let's start with Madison Keys versus Ashley Barty. Who you got? Oh, man. You know, I think I'm actually going to take Barty here. Oh, that's great because I'll take Keys. I'm very happy with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, she's, I just, I just love her game and I love watching her play. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I, I'm certainly not going to be upset if Keys wins. I mean, I, I would, I'd like to see her, but I, I like Barty a lot. So uh, that's, some of that might be more of a, I'm ho- kind of hoping and I want to see, see her break through here. But, but yeah, I'll, I'll take Barty. I love Madison Keys' game on clay. When she has time to hit those huge ground strokes, it ends up going so well for her. I'll take her. I'm I like, down. Did you did you did you see the? I can't even remember who the guy was with the twi- the Twitter video about asking her about. Yeah, it was her a great clay our guy player. Cal Hammond, of course. Yeah. Cracked Rackets yeah. tennis channel of yeah, it was hilarious, and I've been all yeah. about it since. So I agree. I'll take Keys. All right, our last matchup: Simona Halep, Amanda Nisimova. Who you got? Oh, I I I'm. This is one I gotta take. I, even though I'd love to see the the up and comer, I you gotta stick with Halep here. I mean, I I love watching Anna Samova play. I and and I'd love to see. I mean, she could turn this into a slugfest and maybe maybe hit her off the court. But it's gonna be hard. I mean, trying to hit her off the court on clay is a little tough. So uh, because yeah. be, for that reason, I think I'll I'll, I'll stick with Halep. I have a friend whose name will remain nameless, but it's not Max Rothman, I promise. Um, and he has $100 on a Simona Halep, uh, Dominic team, both winning parlay. That pays out, I think it's like 20 to 1. And it's actually pre- like kind of realistic, so good for him to getting that point. I wow. wanted Rothman and I wanted to do a Nadal-Halep 3 to 1 parlay, them both win, and hedge it with a Djokovic, who was somehow plus 250 uh, and 
throw on him as well. That way we win something no matter what. Because it's got to be, you know, either Halep and Nadal win. Or I guess Halep could lose. And then, yeah, I could, that's why. That's how Vegas gets you. But my point is, I'd feel pretty confident in that bet. Uh, but, of course, we did not end up executing it. But, yeah, the the fifteen or the 20-1 to 1 Halep team double win, it's fascinating. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering. Even, I wonder what that would be next. Now, given that they're both still in it and who's left, what kind of odds could you get on that now? It, it's I, I'll bet it's still not that far off. Halep definitely has to be the favorite on, on the ladies' side, but but team is, is still going to be a, a huge underdog compared to the guys that are left. Uh, I mean, he's that it's his surface, but still, I mean, I, I don't, it's going to be, it, it'll be tough. I, and to get both of those to come through, yeah, I, I'll bet you could still get eh, 12 to 15 to 1 on it, even at at this point. I'm glad you asked. If you parlay the two, you bet 20, you would get – let's do this much easier. 20 is too complicated. You bet 10, you win 188. So it's it's 19 to 1 right now if you parlay both of them. Okay, so it's still pretty – Halep plus 120 on her own, team plus 800 on his own. Yeah, yeah. Chris, yeah. you're the one who's got that adult money. I'm in on this if you are. <laughs> no, are you kidding me? I might have a, I might have a little bit of money, but I I got the brain that says I'm not picking team. <laughs> not, right. not not with Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic still out there. Well, and, and let's be honest, not with Nadal still out there. <laughs> right. Nadal Halle parlay right now two and a half to one. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. That's that's terrible. Hmm. I mean that's. Yeah, I, and then that Djokovic one. plus two fifty. I am so fascinated. Ugh, this is why I don't gamble because I knew I'd get lost in it. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing you don't have adult money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. Um, but all right. On that note, Chris, thank you so much as always for taking the time to do this. Any final thoughts from you? No, I'll, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll be excited to see. I'll, I, I will unfortunately not be probably online during the kickoff draft tomorrow since I'll be uh, out pre-riding our course. But I will be, I will be uh, thinking the entire time. I can't wait to get back and see, see who went where. So, uh, <laughs> so, so that'll be the first thing my wife will be going. What are you doing? And I'll be saying, grabbing my phone to see what happened in the draft. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad to hear it, and I'm sure when you grab that phone, you will see a couple of texts from me as well. Um, yeah, I, I'm reserving the right to bring you back, but this really is putting a, a nail on the college season. We have some fun things planned for this summer, but after this, it's all you know, just big pieces, fun things, or nothing until really the fall play. So it's been a fun season. Obviously, shout out to you. Shout out to our super producers as well, Max Slinger and Daniel Westoff, who obviously have a f- of an editing job to do as always and have been killing it all year long, uh, keeping up with us, putting up with our nonsense, Chris. But with that being said, for my wonderful co-host, Chris Halioris, for our wonderful super producers, Max Slinger, Daniel Westoff, and from our entire team at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, that's the break. Oh, a little variation there. I love that you saved it. Good luck in your race and enjoy the draft, everyone.